Yes, ma'am. So we're not making any appointments right now. I can add you to our wait list and we will call you in about two weeks to get you scheduled. I dream about this place. The unlimited phones ringing, patients' names, patients knowing my name. I dream about it. I ride home in silence so I don't have to hear my cell phone ringing. Right now, we need to take care of the women while we can. We are just basically taking it day by day. As the battle over abortion rights rages across America, lives are at stake. Barriers to reproductive health care access have forced many people to travel long distances and to cross state lines to freedom of choice, for their body, for their future, and for ours. You'll hear the stories from the front lines, from those seeking abortion care, and the heroes who helped them along the way. One journey at a time. This is Crossing the Line. Portions of this podcast were recorded prior to the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Shreveport, Louisiana sits along the Red River in the northwest corner of the state, where Arkansas and Texas meet its border. A city whose population is predominantly black, Shreveport was once a major player in the United States oil business, but not anymore. 26% of the city's population lives below the poverty line. Just across the border in Texas, SB 8, otherwise known as the Texas Heartbeat Act, has effectively banned all abortions after six weeks. Welcome to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Texas now deputizes private citizens to bring civil suits against anyone who assists a pregnant person seeking an abortion. They're incentivizing neighbors to turn on each other for cash. As more states follow Texas's lead, outlawing and criminalizing abortion care, long before many women even know they're pregnant, desperate patients find they have few options. Planned Parenthood says clinics in surrounding states have seen an 800% increase in appointments. The situation is becoming increasingly dire, and now neighboring states where we have been sending patients are about to pass similar bans. Where will Texans go then? Louisiana tops the list for clinics within the travel range of Texas. Hope Medical Group for Women in Shreveport is one of only three facilities in the state that performs abortion procedures. And it's only a three-hour drive from Dallas or a four-and-a-half-hour drive from Houston. I love it here. When I first came to work here, it never occurred to me I would be here this long. But I enjoy the work. I enjoy the patients. We have an incredible staff. That's Kathleen Pittman, director of Hope Medical Group. When Kathleen began working here 40 years ago, there were about 11 other clinics operating in the state. Now, there are only three. Hope Medical Group offers services to more than 1 million people of reproductive age in a region that has one of the highest maternal mortality rates in the United States. Louisiana is one of the states that has what's called a trigger ban. Should Roe ever be reversed, basically abortion would become illegal in Louisiana. Prior to SBA, about 18% of our patients were from Texas. And now that jumped up. At one point, we were up to 70-something percent. So that's, that's been a bit rough. And there are only three clinics in Louisiana, and all three of us have been really overwhelmed with the need. And we're not able to see women as quickly as we would like or they would like. It is delaying care. 
the number for second trimester patients has really doubled for us this year because of the delays in care. And we, we simply can't be all things to all people. Hope Medical Group is situated just south of downtown Shreveport. A giant anti-abortion billboard featuring a photo of a fetus looms nearby. Patients must also pass through a group of anti-abortion protesters on their way into the clinic. This group here is a little bit more aggressive. They're yelling to people in the parking lot and, you know, blocking the driveway at times. I've asked them not to. Carrie is a longtime escort for the clinic who lives in the neighborhood. He acts as a buffer between patients and protesters. Yeah, I've been doing this for seven, almost seven years. My mother worked for an OBGYN and it was right next to our house. So I kind of saw a little bit of what's happened at abortion clinics, some violence that's happened. An abortion facility was hit by a bomb blast. Bomb blast at three abortion clinics. So far this year, 28 abortion clinics and information centers have been bombed or set afire. Violence against folks that provide abortion care or health centers that provide abortion care have been a problem for some time. That's Dr. Bhavik Kumar a family medicine physician at the Planned Parenthood Center for Choice in Houston, Texas. It's unfortunate that we do have to take precautions when we're doing this work uh, to protect ourselves. And so some of those things are, you know, basics, just being vigilant, knowing, you know, who's around, being mindful of the protesters. As patients are led safely by volunteer escorts to the door of the old one-story building, they are greeted with a sign that reassures them they're in the right place. It reads, I'm on your side. Inside, phones are ringing off the hook. Hope Medical, how can I help you? Hope Medical Group, how can I help you? Yes, ma'am, so we're not making any appointments right now. I can add you to our wait list and we will call you in about two weeks to get you scheduled. For the dedicated staff working the phones, the responsibility to help as many as possible seeking safe abortions can feel overwhelming. Okay. Well, I will tell you in advance, ma'am, that we're currently working off a waiting list. We don't have any um, current appointments at this time. So the only thing I can suggest is that if you are interested in scheduling with us, we can place your daughter on the waiting list. It's just that right now with the uh, new laws in Texas, we've just been seeing a large volume of patients from that area. No, ma'am, I'm not totally sure, but just give me one moment to get some information from you, okay? Some days we have 30 to 50 patients in a day. They come from everywhere, all over, mainly Texas. That's Nikki, one of the sonogram technicians who sees as many folks as she can on a daily basis. They come to us and we take care of them. When women made their minds up and we're adamant about what we want to do and what we're trying to do in life, we have to get on that path and we have to start that journey somewhere. Brittany is a nurse who also does her best to keep up with the growing demand for reproductive health care. So I want to follow up with the physician and then I can kind of touch bases with you a little bit this afternoon once I hear from the physician and then we can kind of go from there, okay? You're very welcome, sweetie. Was there anything else I can help you with in the meantime? You're welcome, honey. Will you take care? Can I help you? They turn on the phones at like 8.30. They turn them off at 5. I dream about this place. The unlimited phones ringing, patients' names, patients knowing my name. I ride home in silence so I don't have to hear my cell phone ring. <laughs> it's nonstop. 
23-year-old Kayla is one of those who was forced to travel a long distance to seek abortion care. A manager who hopes to rise up in her company, Kayla knows she can't be financially responsible for a child right now. I ended up here. I would say not so great decisions, but in the end, this is probably the good decision that I'm making by not bringing a child into the world. I would like to move up in the position I'm in, and eventually I would like to, you know, have a family when I'm ready. But as for now, no, not yet, not ready. I ended up here because abortion is illegal after six weeks in the state of Texas. I didn't find out I was pregnant until I was five weeks and three days. I called Oklahoma. They had two Planned Parenthood facilities that I could have went to. They, are, they were booked until like the end of May. I found out I was pregnant on March 15th, 2022. I've had to have like three sonograms actually. I had to have one in Texas. The first sonogram was rough. I cried a lot. The doctor, he said it has a heartbeat. He turned the computer off and shut the door. And the nurse said, do you need a hug? And then she hugged me and I put my clothes on. I got myself together and I went and I paid. And actually I went to work right after. Are you ready to go down the hall? Okay. Hope Medical was the first place I found that could take me, but you have to have two appointments. So I've been waiting for about five weeks since I found out I was pregnant. A man can walk away from the situation freely. I should be able to go on with my life and move on. And nobody should be able to tell me that I'm wrong for that because I'm making a better decision for my life. 38-year-old Christy came to Hope Medical Group from a town just north of Dallas. My parents drove us from Plano. We left at like 6.30 this morning. My appointment was at 10.30. So it took us about three hours, three and a half hours. I kind of got into the party scene a little bit and just kind of spiraled out of control. I lost my apartment for a little while. Had trouble finding a job, so I started using hard drugs. And I'm just going through a uh, financial hardship in my life. I had a little relapse. I'm in a homeless shelter right now in Dallas. They're great, uh, lots of resources, and they're helping me find housing. So I just think the law, the law that passes is a little bit bogus. Because, I mean, I just barely found out that I was pregnant at six weeks. And I was a little bit frantic. And having big decisions to make, it's uh, frightening. You know? What can I do for you, honey? Lorena is a Texas native and mother of four who has driven with her fiancé, a military veteran, nearly 200 miles seeking abortion care. She found Hope Medical Group by searching the internet. I have a fiancé. We have been together for 13 years. And he is in support of the abortion. I'm, I'm not sure how far along I am, so I took a pregnancy test. And it came back positive, and I was just too afraid to go to any clinics or anything around Texas because I was under the impression that if I was over six weeks, it would be documented that I was pregnant, and I didn't want to take the risk of not being able to come to an abortion clinic. The Texas law has created a great deal of uncertainty and fear. It criminalizes not just women seeking care, but those who might help them. Lorena borrowed a car from her mother to make the trip, but kept the reason vague. We told her that we needed to borrow the car because we needed to go to East Texas to take care of some things. You know, I, I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't tell her. It's not that I don't trust my mom, but I think it's better that she doesn't know in case I have to deal with legal repercussions. It's better that she doesn't know. 
complicating matters, in 2016, Louisiana began requiring anyone wanting an abortion to go through a two-step process that takes at least 72 hours. Patients must first have an ultrasound and meet with a physician to review state-mandated material. They then must wait at least two more days if they still want an abortion. How you doing? Nikki leads Lorena to a sonogram room where she can determine how far along she is in her pregnancy. This is so. Okay. I'll be gentle. Nine weeks and three days. Sounds about right. Clean yourself. Trash it over your head now. You may have a seat back out. You already left a sample of urine. Mm-hmm. And that was it for me, y'all. You got two more things to do. Talk to a doctor and a counselor. Okay. Next, Haley, a patient advocate at Hope Medical Group, meets Lorena for her first counseling session. Go ahead and take a seat right there for me. Tell me when you first found out that you were pregnant. Well, I woke up in the middle of the night with morning sickness. I was nauseous. I was vomiting. I took the test and it came back positive. So when you got those results that were positive, did you know right away what you wanted to do or did you have some thinking to do? I immediately knew that abortion was my only option. It's very expensive taking care of four kids. Mm -hmm. As an independent insurance adjuster for catastrophe claims, Lorena's work is seasonal. Missing any work days takes a financial toll on her family. This is absolutely a burden. You know, if I was able to go to one of the clinics around the Dallas area, I could have got back home with my children, you know, and enough time to settle them and get back to work. With us just having to travel so far, we had to secure a babysitter, and then they're going to have to come back whenever we come back for the procedure. But Lorena's primary concern has to do with more than just money. My oldest is 15. She's a post-heart transplant patient. And that was a big, big deal for my family. Like, we went through a lot. Her daughter's condition demands a significant amount of Lorena's time and energy. My daughter is on steroids. She's on immune suppressants. She's on blood pressure medications that she has to take for her heart. And then on top of that, my last pregnancy, it got so bad that I had to be on bed rest. Just thinking about going through that again, just thinking about having to deal with the financial strain of bringing another child into the household, it's just not a good time. Sounds like you have a lot on your plate, as it is already, Mm -hmm. ranging from helping your kiddo after an amazing heart transplant, finances, mentally, physically, just across the board, not an ideal time to be pregnant. Right. So if you had to put a number on it today, zero to 100%, how confident are you that abortion is the next step for you? 100%. 
and how do you plan to cope with your decision moving forward? With me, I kind of take some alone time. I go over different options, different roads I could have taken. And then once I'm done with it, I'm done with it. Kind of accepting it for what it is, knowing that it's best for the kiddos you already got, yourself, moving forward in life. Mm -hmm. All we care about is you being happy and healthy. Whatever that looks like to you, whatever the steps you got to take to get there, just make sure you're taking them for us, okay? Okay. We'll get you scheduled, finances at the end. After that, your last step today will be a quick conversation with the doctor. Then you're out the door. Okay. Haley explains the disclosures and consent forms and then has Lorena sign them. Eight and nine are also just patient acknowledgements that you've read those paperwork and we've gone over them together. Questions over this one at all? Um, not, not necessarily about the paper, but um, you guys only give the pill up to eight weeks. Is that correct? Less than nine weeks. Okay. When you come back for your procedure, you need a driver. We're giving you a bunch of medicines that are going to make you really sleepy. So relaxation techniques, just super important. Prayer, meditation, just going to give you a good rundown of what to expect following your procedure. And we'll also send you home with misoprostol. You'll get a dose of that here right before you leave. It's going to help kickstart the healing process. And then with the shenanigans over in Texas, getting that misoprostol can be very difficult. So make a pit stop in one of our pharmacies. There's a whole bunch right out on this main highway. Run in there, grab your prescriptions before you head home. Okay. You'll be just fine. I can get you in next week, Tuesday the 14th or that Thursday or Saturday. Uh, let's go ahead and do the 14th. Okay, so on that day, you will be looking at a fee of $600. Is that something you can come up with or should we look at financial assistance? I'd like some assistance if possible. Absolutely, let's take a look. Um, so the house in which you live, how many people are under the roof? Uh, six. Are you working right now? Yeah, I'm off right now. This week and next week because I have to have the procedure. So it'll be two weeks. Does your partner work? But he's not working right now either. He's on, um, he gets um, disability from the VA. My fiance is a veteran. He was in the Marines. He fought in Iraq. He deals with PTSD. It's really tough with him um, as far as getting past his PTSD episodes. So that's another reason why we're not wanting to bring another child into the situation. In the beginning, he would never tell me like the things that he went through in Iraq, but now he's gotten to a point to where he can tell me little things here and there, you know, and some of the experiences he had and, you know, he opens up now to where I can understand why certain things are triggers for him. But yeah, we deal with a lot. The irony that her fiance fought overseas to defend personal freedom while hers is being taken away here in America is not lost on Lorena. We were discussing um, the war with Russia and Ukraine. And he said, you know, if my country needs me, I will go back. And I said, really? I, I said, like, how you were treated when you got back um, as a black man, like, you would, you would go fight for this country again? And he was just like, well, if my country needs me, I would. 
And then, right, they want to take my rights away. The same country that you fought for. It's just, it's weird. Hope Medical Group's director, Kathleen Pittman, isn't allowing the noise of a national debate over abortion rights to distract her from providing safe abortion care where it's critically needed. Originally, when Hope was first named, we gave hope to women for a new beginning. We gave them hope for a better life because they could be in charge of if and when they decided to have children or a family. And now, I think that still, still stands today. I refuse to be all gloom and doom about what's going to happen in June or could potentially happen in June. The women deserve our full attention. And uh, that is what the, the staff and I discuss when we're talking amongst ourselves. We have no control. What we do have control over is providing care for now for as many women as, as we possibly can and give them hope. It's four days later, and Lorena is back for her abortion procedure. I've been, uh, I've been up sick all night. Um, it's probably just anxiety kicking in. Um, so the ride here wasn't the best. She was unable to secure financial assistance for her abortion. I wasn't able to get any help, so, you know, we just had to do what we had to do. The money that um, we're going to have to use to pay for the procedure is going to come out of money that we were saving to do some things with the kids this summer. Another dedicated team member at Hope Medical Group is a patient advocate named Christopher. He joined the staff after his former partner had an abortion at the clinic some years ago. His commitment to reproductive freedom is generational. My father actually was a, an abortion provider in the Deep South for, God, over 30 years. I've just always been proud. I never thought I would end up going into the same field, <laughs> um, but here we are. And so what I do is uh, counseling primarily for the patients that come through here. It works as a screening process as well to make sure that women who are maybe suffering from some sort of domestic abuse have resources that they can go to. We go the extra mile and try to make sure that our patients are all right. We try to remove as much of the mystery around the process as possible. It's also a time where we talk about finances and financial assistance if patients need it. I don't think it's any secret that, you know, abortion is a service that is primarily in need by lower income women. And there's another group of patients that are always welcome as long as the clinic's doors remain open. We actually think that the name Hope Medical Group for women uh, is actually not quite inclusive enough because we do see some trans men who usually for, you know, uh, very unfortunate circumstances end up pregnant and need our services as well. So Hope Medical Group for people really would be more accurate. As the only male counselor, Christopher's often questioned about what drew him to the work. I've always been uh, a fierce advocate of women's reproductive rights. It's so frequently under attack in this country. I'm here because I believe in the cause and I want to do my part. It increasingly is looking like, you know, depending on what the Supreme Court decides and when, that we're not going to be around for much longer. So yeah, that's unfortunate to say the least. Yes, this is the doctor's office. Uh, I'm calling to let you know that she is uh, going to be ready to go in about 15 minutes. Can you be here in that time? 
Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your patience. Try to park as close to the front door as you can, and we'll have her out as soon as she's ready to go, okay? Hope not. Well, I may have All right, thank you. Lorena's abortion procedure went well. After Christopher gives her post-op instructions, she is ready to head home. You're done. You're ready to go. Your driver is outside waiting for you, okay? Yes, indeed. They've probably been waiting for a minute now. I'm going to put all this together for you. Did you leave anything at the front desk? Okay, well then you're good. You can get out of here. Take care of yourself, okay? Absolutely. Yet again, protesters await those departing the clinic who are just eager to get back to their families and regular lives. Clinic escorts, Kathleen and Carrie, detail just how dangerous it can get. They still take pictures of the license plates. They still follow the women down the street to McDonald's. One patient got followed down there and the protester followed her into McDonald's and announced to the whole place she had had an abortion and needed prayer. So we have, uh, on Saturdays, two uh, uh, city marshals. And we're all unarmed out here except for our tongue. Pretty sure it's open carry. You can see something in their belt um, or in their front pocket, a gun or a knife or something, which is not illegal. For Christopher, anti-abortion violence is something he remembers well from growing up due to his dad's line of work. As a, as a middle school kid finding out that my dad did abortions and sort of knowing what that, what that context is around it, the, the issue of safety, the threat of extremists and their violence, uh, it was always sort of a background thought. Dr. Kumar points out that this anti-abortion activism can sometimes be deadly. There's actually been a couple of physicians that have been murdered because of the work they do. Dr. David Gunn was shot after getting out of his car as he came to work at a Pensacola abortion clinic. Dr. Tiller, who performs third trimester abortions, had been shot twice outside his clinic. The gunman shot four people before escaping here. One woman, a clinic worker, died at the scene. The clinic's assistant administrator, Stephanie, has worked at the center for a decade. The word abortion still has stigma attached to it, and it shouldn't. That's why the conversation's really not about abortion. It should be about a woman's right to choose. It's ridiculous that in the 21st century, it's this way. In, a, in America, even in Louisiana, the majority of people want women to have a right to choose and a right to an abortion, but they don't vote that way. I mean, you know, I, women fought hard to get the right to vote and to not take the opportunity to do that blows my mind. We're just gonna fight till we just can't fight. But Kathleen and her staff aren't giving up hope just yet. All the clinics in Louisiana would cease to exist if Roe is reversed. We would be one of those states that would have no abortion access any longer. I can't concentrate on that right now because we have too many patients to take care of. My hope is that sanity prevails and worst case scenario, we walk away with a 15 week ban, which is in and of itself bad enough. But at this point in time, if I were to sit here and think of what can happen and what likely may happen, then I think all the staff here would become just unable to function. And we can't, we can't be that. We, right now, we need to take care of the women while we can. So we, we are just basically taking it day by day. 
if there's any way around it, Kathleen's going to find it. She has just fought uh, so hard for over 40 years to make sure that women had options, that they have some control over their lives. If uh, Roe v. Wade is just overturned flat out and Louisiana's trigger law goes into effect as it is, seems to me uh, that we'll probably have to shut down, at least for a time. And you got to use that to motivate you to take action, to do something about it. So what are you doing about it? You know, that's the question we have to be asking. What can you do about it? We'll start doing that. On June 24th, 2022, the Supreme Court of the United States overturned Roe v. Wade, triggering an abortion ban in Louisiana and making all abortion services over six weeks illegal. After over 40 years, Hope Medical Group for Women temporarily stopped providing abortion services. A week later, a restraining order against Louisiana's trigger law allowed the state's three clinics to again provide abortions. But on August 1st, an appeals court reversed that decision. Hope Medical Group is no longer providing abortions, but the staff continues to help individuals navigate reproductive health care within the limits of the law. And as always, they are determined to keep hope alive. Well, I mean, you know, we're not going to go down without a fight anyway. So I'm very hopeful that, you know, somebody will have some common sense. We've got to have hope. If you give up hope, you, what do you have? This is Crossing the Line. Some names have been changed to protect the identities of those participating. This podcast was brought to you by Population Media Center. Executive producers are Lisa Caruso and Alex Demonenko. Co-producer is Kathleen Bedoya, and associate producer is Dominica Ruelas. This episode is field produced by Joanna Friedman, edited by Bruno Falcon, with production services provided by Pidge Productions. Research assistance is provided by Sarah Field-Bullion, with production coordinating by June Neely. Impact strategy is led by Charity Twos, and original music is by Valerie Ortiz. Narration is read by Tatiana St. Fard. Special thanks to the Hope Medical Group for Women in Shreveport, Louisiana, its director, Kathleen Pittman, and the entire staff and volunteers. Also, thanks to Dr. Bhavik Kumar and Planned Parenthood. And of course, to all those who shared their stories with us. An additional thank you to our partners, Power to Decide, AbortionFinder.org, and Plan C Pills. Check out ctlpod.com for new episodes, abortion resources, and information on how to take action. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.